بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم محمد رسول الکریم الحمد للہ چنائی از دا نائنٹین فیبر الحمد للہ وی موڈ آن ٹو دا ایٹین نائٹ of the noble companion, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu. And I've reached the point where I've mentioned that they've finally given their pledge of allegiance to our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, thereby becoming companions of our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in another report, which is the most famous, in Sayyid Muslim, number 321, in the chapter on Iman, Ahmed in his Musnad, number 17,326 or 4-199. Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabaqat, volume 4, page 258. Riyadh al-Salihin, number 711. Al-Bidayah in the chapter on those who passed away in 43 AH. Riyadh al-Sahaba, volume 4, page 464 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Amr himself, he related, radiyallahu. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put Islam in my heart, I then came to the Prophet and I said, Hold out your right hand so that I might swear allegiance to you. Thus he held out his right hand. But I then withdrew my hand. He thereupon said, مَا لَكَ يَا عَمُرُ What is the matter, O Amr? I replied, I want to stipulate a condition. The Prophet asked, What do you want to stipulate? I replied, That I will be forgiven. Upon this, he said, أَمَا عَلِمْتَ يَا عَمْرُ أَنَّ الْإِسْلَامَ يَحْدِمُ مَا قَانَ قَبْلَ وَأَنَّ الْحِجْرَةَ تَحْدِمُ مَا قَانَ قَبْلَهَ وَأَنَّ الْحَجَّ يَحْدِمُ مَا قَانَ قَبْلَهَ Are you not aware, O Amr, Islam destroys whatever came before it. Hijrah, i.e. migration destroys whatever comes before it. And Hajj destroys whatever comes before it. So stop in the report. So this is the most famous report and the reason being it's in Sayyid Muslim and other references. And it adds details which are worth pointing out. So Amr stretches his hand out to pledge. When the Prophet is about to hold his hand, he withdraws his hand. And he says, I want to stipulate a condition. So, what was this condition? The Prophet asked him, What do you want to stipulate? And he said, That I will be forgiven. So he says, I want to have a guarantee that I'll be forgiven my sins. And here the Prophet said the very famous words, He said, Islam destroys whatever came before it.
Hijrah, I migrate, destroys whatever comes before it, and Hajj destroys whatever comes before it. And this part of the report is taken out, and you hear it quite frequently. So these are the three great destroyers of sins. One is embracing Islam. One is Hijrah for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the third is Hajj. Then Amr radiallahu said, Upon this, nobody was more beloved to me than Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And no one was more dearer in my eyes. I could then not even look at him in the eye because of awe. وَلَوْ سُئِلْتُ أَنْ أَصِفَهُ مَا أَأَتَقْتُ لَأَنِّي لَمْ أَكُنْ أَمْلَأُ أَيْنَيَّ مِنْ Hence, if I were to be now asked to describe him, I would not be able to do so, for I could not look him in the eye. Subhanallah. So as soon as he gave his pledge to the Prophet, then that great transformation took place where he couldn't even look at the Prophet and he said because of awe, because of his station and then he goes, there was nobody more beloved to me than Rasulullah at that point he goes, now if you ask me to describe him I would struggle in another report Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As he thereupon added by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Rasulullah never treated any man amongst his companions equal to myself and Khalid ibn al-Walid who had embraced Islam after us. This is in Behaki in his Sunan 4-43 Al-Bidaya volume 4 page 237 Hafiz al-Waqidi in his Al-Maghazi Hayat al-Sahaba volume 1 page 287-8 of the New English Translation. So here Amr said something very interesting he goes, any man or woman who embraced Islam after us, I become a companion, they were not treated equally, I noticed, by Rasulullah with myself and Khalid bin Walid, meaning because there was something we noticed, he gave us another pedestal. So those who came after, he goes, we noticed it wasn't the same with them who came after. And Khalid bin Walid also echoed this sentiment when he said, Radiallah, by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam did not treat anyone amongst his companions equal to us who had embraced Islam after us. This is in Ibn Asaqib, Kanzul Umal, volume 5, page 30, Al Bidaya, volume 4, page 248, Ayat al Sahaba, volume 1, page 179 of the New English Translation. So, why was that? So the response the scholars give is that this was coming to the end of the Hijrah. The migration to Al-Madinah was coming to an end. Why? Because after the fall of Makkah, there was no Hijrah. So these were amongst the last batch who were migrating to the Prophet So because of that, the scholars say they were given a special maqam. So anybody who embraced Islam after the fall of Makkah, they are not muhajirun in the sense that they've migrated because now Makkah has become a land of Islam. So this is one obvious reason why these two noble souls were treated higher than those who came after. And the scholars give other reasons as well, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. But Amr ibn al-As, he also said, which is very interesting, after we had embraced Islam, 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam placed myself and Khalid ibn al-Walid radiyallahu at the top of his advisors in any serious matter confronting him. Indeed, we enjoyed the same positions with Abu Bakr radiyallahu. I also continued to enjoy the same position during the Khalifat of Umar radiyallahu. But Umar radiyallahu had perhaps some reservations with respect to Khalid radiyallahu. This is recorded in Ibn Hisham in his Seerah, volume 3, page 291. Half is Waqidi, rahmatullahi in his Al-Maghazi, volume 1, page 749. Al-Bidaya, volume 1, page 238. So Amr ibn al said, we were given this honor that we were always consulted. And then the same happened in Abu Bakr's Khalifat. He goes, but I noticed in Umar's Khalifat, I was treated exactly the same. But I noticed Umar was hesitant with regards to Khalid. <laughs> So now, why was Umar hesitant with regards to Khalid? So again, there's very a number of reasons. One is Amr is older than Umar. So obviously you respect your elders. Khalid is, you know, slightly younger than Umar. And also, obviously, Khalid, people were speaking about because we can't be defeated when Khalid is leading. So Umar had to take some measures with regards to him, radiallahu. But Amr noticed that. Because I noticed Umar had a reservation with regards to Khalid, radiallahu. So what are the symbolism of these three nobles embracing Islam? So you got Khalid bin Walid, you got Uthman ibn Talha, you got Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu ta'ala. The symbolism of these three nobles embracing Islam from the Quraysh is worth reflecting upon. So what does Uthman ibn Talha represent radiyallahu? He represents the religiosity of the Quraysh. Because he held the keys to the Kaaba. So he was their symbol of their religion. <laughs> because the, the Kaaba was what gave them honor. So who's, whoever has the keys to the Kaaba, that is a great honor. So that was his symbolism on him embracing Islam. Secondly, as a senior statesman and shrewd politician, Sayyidina Amr ibn al-As represented the political elite of the Quraysh. So obviously you need sagacity in terms of politics and he represented that from the Quraysh. And Sayyidina Khalid ibn al-Walid, the master tactician, represented the military prowess of the Quraysh. Thus Allahu Akbar, the sword of Allah, the fox of the Arabs, and the custodian of the keys to the holy Kaaba had now entered into the glorious fold. Subhanallah. This was in actual fight the acceptance of a dua of our beloved messenger. He made a dua. What dua did he make? Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Oh Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you had made the early members of the Quraysh taste punishment and calamities. Does now grant prosperity to the latter generation. Subhanallah. This is in Abu Dawood at Tayyadasi. Anwarul Bayan, volume 10, page 362 of the English translation. So the Prophet ﷺ, he saw that a lot of the seniors had died in unbelief. So that grieved the Prophet, obviously, so he made a dua. Because you've made the early members of the Quraysh taste punishment and calamities. Please now grant prosperity to the latter generations. So our loving Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
he answered this supplication of his most beloved servant, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and thereupon granted great favors to the Quraysh, together with using them for tremendous services to the glorious deen. So in actual fact, it was the acceptance of a dua of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So now another thing I should have mentioned. So obviously, Hisham ibn al-As, his younger brother, he embraced Islam very early. In fact, if you look into the books of Sirat or history, it mentions he embraced Islam in the era when Islam was private, when the, when the preaching was private. So it's in the first three years he embraced Islam. His father, Al-As ibn Iwail, obviously got to know of this and he was then disciplined privately because they're from the nobles of the Quraysh. He was the chief of the Sahmi tribe, the Sahan tribe. But he was tortured by his father. It was then that he migrated to Abyssinia. So this is what caused Hisham to uh, migrate to Abyssinia, one of the reasons. Hisham ibn al-As and Amr were brothers. But their mothers weren't the same. Hisham's mother was Abu Jahl's sister. So he was the favorite of Al-As ibn Iwail. Amr, radiallahu's mother, was a maidservant. So because of that, Amr himself said that my brother was more favored by my father because he was the, the son of the daughter of Banu Makhzum. So Abu Jahl, now think about this, Hisham ibn al-As, his uncle is Abu Jahl, his mother's brother. So that thus makes Hisham Umar his first cousin, because Umar's mother was Abu Jahl's sister. So both Umar and Hisham, their mothers were sisters. And they were the sisters of Abu Jahl. <laughs> so it was quite interesting, the family connections. So to add this, I should have mentioned this, but I'll mention it now. When Umar Allah eventually embraced Islam, he talked to Hisham ibn al-As and Ayyash, who's Ayyash Allah. Ayyash is the brother of Abu Jahl. So he's talking to his uncle, Ayyash ibn Hisham, Abu Jahl's brother, who's embraced Islam, and he's talking to his cousin, Hisham ibn al-As. So he tells them, we will all migrate together. We will meet up at a certain place and we will migrate to Al-Madina. If one or more do not meet up at that place, we will then realize that they've been detained. So what happened? When they got to that meeting point, only two were there, Umar and Ayyash. So they realized that Hisham ibn al-As had been detained. So this shows that he was on lockdown. They were like keeping a strict eye upon. So Hisham couldn't migrate, he was detained by his, by his family. So then the famously, to, to put the narration short, Umar and Ayyash migrated. So Umar, who was the nephew 
and the uncle Ayyash, my great. When they got to Al-Madina, <laughs> Abu Jal, he says, I'm going to get my brother back. I'm going to play a trick. So he went all the way to Al-Madina, Abu Jal, and he started telling his brother, Ayyash, and they both had the same mother. They are different fathers. He, he said to his brother, Your, our mother is very ill. She's, she's on the verge of death and she's calling your name. He goes, you need to come back. So Umar radiyallahu, he looked at Abu Jal, his uncle, and he told his other uncle, Ayyash, he goes, I don't believe him. I think this is a trick. And he goes, your mother will eventually start eating and drinking. He goes, she may be ill, but she'll end up eating and drinking. But Abu Jal started pulling on the heartstrings. He goes, look, this is your last chance. Your mother's going to pass away and you're not going to see her. So then Umar, he said to Ayyash, he said, listen, take half of my wealth. He goes, you don't need to go back. He goes, you know, maybe he was thinking of his wealth as well. Because Ayyash goes, I'll go back and I'll tie up the loose ends. I'll take some of my wealth back. Umar goes, take half of my wealth. You don't need to go back. But Ayyash was adamant. Then what happened? Umar then gave him his strongest camel. Because if you're bent upon going, take my camel. If you see any shenanigans, because you can leave quickly and return back to Al-Madina. So Ayyash accepted that. He took the camel of his nephew Umar. So anyway, Abu Jal's now with his brother and there's some others with him. And then during the journey back to Makkah, one of them said, your camel looks very fine. He goes, do you mind if I ride it? So Ayyash, unfortunately, he agreed. So when the other one got onto the camel, now he couldn't escape. And then at the appropriate time, they jumped him. They tied him up and they took him back to Makkah. And who did they put him with? They put him with Hisham ibn al-As. So now Hisham ibn al-As and Ayyash ibn Ayyash they're both in a prison and they've been basically tortured. To and they were that badly tortured even though they were nobles. They couldn't even sit up properly. So you know, normally a person, a prisoner would sit, but they were that badly, you know, beat. They couldn't sit there to rest their walls, their backs against the wall. And also there wasn't a roof. So the extreme heat of the sun would hit them. So they were in that condition for 10 years. You don't get this impression that this was like a weekend, you know, camp. Like 10 years, like I mentioned. Rasulullah, the battle of Badr has taken place, the battle of Uhud, the battle of Khandaq. He then starts making his famous du'a and he goes, Oh my Lord, free Ayyash from the Quraysh, free Hisham ibn al-As. Suddenly these names come to life. If you read the seerah, they just draw blogs and, you know. So he goes, why is he making that du'a? Because they've been going through so much. So what happened was, Walid ibn al-Walid, Khalid bin Walid's brother, he offers his service because Ya Rasulullah sallallahu I will free them. Give me permission. I will go on this mission. So the Prophet gives his blessings. He goes, May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala go with you. So what happened? 
Now look at the irony of the scenario. <laughs> you got Walid, the brother of Khalid, and you got Hisham, the brother of Amr, both staunch believers. And you got their brothers, who are counterparts, complete counterparts at the time. So this, you know, the picture of irony was taking place. So Al-Walid, he covers himself like a Bedouin, disguises himself. He was Makkawal because he's, he was, you know, he grew up, he was born there. So he's trying to work out where they've imprisoned both his, you know, his cousins as well. Ai, uh, Hisham ibn al-As and Ayyash radiyallahu So he's keeping a note on, you know, the people's movements and he notices a woman. And this woman is taking some food stuff and he's observing her and she takes a certain path. And then eventually, he works out that she is the one who is providing food to the prisoners. So he's found out where they're now imprisoned. So to cut a long narrative short, he creates a, uh, a decoy. So he makes something happen to the woman. He arranges something. And the false alarms raised that somebody's you know trying to stop the food from reaching the prisoners and the woman is being ambushed. So... The guards left. <laughs> at that point, Walid manages to scale the wall. And they're that weak, they can't even sit up. He gets his sword, he smashes the chains. And Alhamdulillah, they both break. He's got his camel ready. And he literally has to carry them, they can't even walk. <laughs> so imagine Hisham ibn al-As, Ayyash, all those years. Now he's you know, literally taking them out, you know, on shoulder to shoulder, gets them up to the camel. And he speeds out. By the grace and mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he manages to escape. So Allah ta'ala answered that dua through Walid's bravery. That is how Hisham ibn al-As came to Al-Madin. Right? It was through the bravery of Al-Walid. So look how ironic this is. Now Khalid and Ahmad both embraced Islam. So how embarrassed must they have been? But it's actually another report which is interesting. When Khalid heard that his brother had done this rescue mission, they could see him smiling. <laughs> so obviously he's an unbeliever, but he couldn't outwardly, and he was, in actual fact, very proud of what his brother had done. He goes, he is my brother after all. <laughs> right? And what's interesting about that, to impress Khalid is not a small matter. Right? So anyway, you know, I should have mentioned that, but this is how the brothers came to be. I in Al Madina. So just to now mention this report to finish. So the next section entitled Our Beloved Messenger deep love for Sayyidina Amr and his rank in the glorious deed. Our beloved Messenger on various occasions he highlighted to one and all how dear Amr ibn al As was to him. Take the following few blessed reports, I'll mention one. Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiyallahu he relates that our beloved messenger said sallallahu alayhi wa Ibn al-Asi mu'minan Amran wa Hisham the two sons of al-As are believers Amr and Hisham radiyallahu this is in Nasai in his Sunan al-Kubra number 195 Ahmad in his Musnad number 8042 8338 8,642, Hassan. Ibn Sa'ad in Istabaqat, 4-191, Al-Isab, page 694 of the New English Translation, 
Al-Bidai in the chapter on those who passed away in the year 13 AH. Shaykh Al-Bani Rahmatullah stated Hassan in his As-Sahihah number 156. So in this very strong report in the Sunnahs, the Prophet gave immense praise to the two noble brothers. He goes, Ibn Al-Asi Mu'minah Amran wa Hisham. The two sons of Al-As are believers. He didn't say Muslims. He could have said Musliman. He goes, Mu'minan. The two sons of Al-As are believers. Then what's very interesting, he mentioned Amr first. Amr, Amran wa Hisham. He didn't say Hisham wa Amran. So note that although Sayyidina Hisham ibn al-As had embraced Islam years earlier than his noble elder brother, thus clearly having a greater status, our beloved Messenger nevertheless not only mentioned them together, but also mentioned Amr first. Subhanallah. So this is something very significant. He's embraced Islam just recently. This has to be after he's embraced Islam. And yet, even though the brothers got 15 years start on him, the Prophet mentioned him first. Notice also, he described them as believers. He didn't say one was a believer, one was a Muslim, because they're both believers. So that shows that Amr, even upon his embracing, he had, a, he had leapfrogged in terms of his Iman. And this was again the grace and mercy of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So all I mentioned today was mentioning the very famous report where Amr withdrew his hand from the Prophet and he pledged allegiance and it was to do with stipulating a condition for forgiveness. And then I mentioned the report where three things obliterate sin, the very famous part of the report. And then I mentioned Amr himself saying that himself and Khalid were treated differently than those who embraced Islam thereafter. And this was very significant. Uh, and then I mentioned uh, something with regards to the noble brother of uh, Amr, Hisham, i.e. how he was tortured in those early days and then his migration and eventually he's been prevented from being migrated with the Umar and then of course I mentioned the famous report with regards to the two brothers described as being believers by Rasulullah Are there any questions you might ask? Subhanallah